Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten. This podcast is sponsored by betonbrazil.com. Uh, visit the website for the latest odds and offers. I've just walked out of Norwood Junction train station ahead of Crystal Palace against Manchester United. It's a chilly, dry December evening in South London. There's a train strike on and a lot of the direct links to the area around Crystal Palace's ground are not working but we took an overground train from central London uh, which was fine we got off the train and the staff were polite wished us to enjoy the game hopefully we want to enjoy the game obviously Manchester United win United have got a very good record against Crystal Palace I don't think they've lost a game here since 1997 I just walked past a cherry tree pub and it really brought back memories because it was in there in January 95 that I was stood as news came through of Eric Cantona's indiscretion, shall we say, when he jumped into the crowd. I'd been in the ground, I'd seen it, but the, when you're at a football match and something's happening on the other side of the field, you don't really know the... the, the I didn't know how severe it would be. There was no internet, there was no social media, and it was stood in the cherry tree when it made the news that night, the news at 10, that I thought, wow, this is going to be a big story. And it was, I remember my life for the next couple of weeks just being a flurry of phone calls and being very busy as a journalist. I'm walking to the ground now, and I'm with James Scowcroft. James is a United fan and is written for United We Stand for a long time. And he played for Crystal Palace. Cheers for joining us, James. This, what was your time like at Palace? You weren't in the Premier League at the time, were you? But describe Palace as a club and what, the, what do their fans think of you? Uh, you'd have to ask them that. It's, uh, it's yeah, but you, you know if they think you're a knob <laughs> or not. I'd say in between, not a knob, but not a hero. How long were you at, at Sellers for? I was here three years. I spent here. So it's, it's actually a really good football club. Um, unique as in a few things it's I think there's 7 million people live within 20 minutes um, and I always thought it had the potential to go on and be a big football club with the, the location it is um, and it, it wasn't a surprise to see it take off get into the Premier League and you know, establish itself I'd be surprised if they if they got if they went down this year um, I think they've got the potential I think they're going to upgrade the ground which desperately needs doing um, but generally, it's a really good football club with, with, with good support. The ground hall's 26,000. It's in a residential area, but it looks a bit tired now by modern Premier League standards. And it's one of the smaller grounds in the league. If they're going to stay up, they're going to be serious. It's all right having 7 million people nearby, but they've got to monetise that, haven't they? Yeah, they have. But the, the problem they've then got is their, their identity. Yeah. And, you know, I've been here several times, more than several times as an away player. So I hate coming here as a, an away player it was a nightmare to get here to on uh, on the team bus and it's just the, the same for the fans yeah, from Manchester yeah, exactly. it takes so, five hours six hours but the nearest hotel in Croydon could take you 50 minutes nearly an hour sometimes to, to get four or five miles on the team bus um, and the change rooms are crap the but it was just horrible as an away fan. But as a home player, I used to love it, you know. And that was their, their identity really. So they yeah. they got to upgrade. They got to change. Um, and I just sort of think, well, yeah, it's okay doing that, but don't lose your you know your identity really. That's fair enough. The the ultra group that has come on since you left, 
Um, it was before it, 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 oh, took was it? Off, yeah, t- took off in 2005. I joined in 2006. It was going. I saw it sort of develop, and no um, one or two of the lads now that are involved in it, and you know they've they've kept it going. I think Premier League football has enhanced it, um, and it, it's a unique group really. They're, they've copied. I, I think within the group, there's a few people that have moved to uh, to London that have been maybe from Poland, maybe from, from other grounds and sort of tagged on and this is what we do and blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of originated from there, really. So the, the background be- behind it is a very sort of a bit of a foreign culture. I like it. I know people take the piss out of them. I know they're from Beckenham and, and not Napoli, but I've been in that ground when those seats are empty. There's a group of young lads who seem to f- enjoy following the team. I've met a few of them myself. They go home and away. They make noise. All right, sometimes it seems to be a little bit self-important, but I thought they were really good in the FA Cup final at Wembley. Far better than the Manchester United end, where the singers were spread out all over the place. Palace were organised, they were loud, they were proud, and they lost the game. Another FA Cup final to Manchester United. And they've struggled a little bit this season, haven't they? Why do you think that is? Um, Well, they struggled last season as well. Their form in 2016 has been horrific. Um, and just going back to the Wembley support, there's it's changed now because there's some American investors come in. But before that was four uh, owners who brought a 25% stake of the club. They're all Crystal Palace fans, and they have dialogue with the fans. Uh, one of the um, one of the owners goes on the fanzine um, forum once a week and answers questions, not about the team, but about the club, the ground, and blah blah blah. So. When they get to Wembley, it's quite easy for 2,000 of them all to get tickets together. And so, from that sense, it's a really, really good football club. But their form has been really, really poor. Sort of a bit of an ex-hero comeback that's uh, to manager Malin Pardew, but it's turned a bit sour now. And I think it's very divided. In fact, it's probably more than divided that most of them probably want him out now. They've got some decent players. Scott Dan's a decent player for a scouser. Um, Zaha... Didn't do anything at United, but he's doing well at Crystal Palace. Uh, Fraser Campbell is another former Manchester United player. Seems to be more of a peripheral figure, but he's got a couple of important goals. You watch them a lot more than I do. Who's who's doing well and, in, and who's not doing well? Why are they struggling? Uh, it's a good, defensively, they've been really poor. They can score goals. They've scored more goals than Manchester United this year, but they, they leak goals as well. So sort of change. They had Tony Pulis before Pardew, and Pulis made them typical, you know, what Tony Pulis is famed for, really. A really hard, uh, well-organised team. And Pardew's come in and try to be probably a little bit clever, try to change it a bit. Um, brought in Benteke, 30 million, you know, probably 100 grand a week. Um, We're just walking down the Holmesdale Road now, which is the road which the ground is situated on. I remember coming here for many years and selling United We Stand. We all sold loads of copies because they get a big allocation here. But also Wimbledon played here for a number of years where there could be up to 20,000 Manchester United fans or even 12,000, 15,000 for a normal league game. But uh, not tonight because we've well, nearly sold out of this one. And we couldn't bring any down from Manchester. Sorry, James, just wanted to say where we were because the name of the ultras is the Holmesdale Road Ultras now. Not the home, uh, the no. Holmesdale End. Holmesdale not, End, yeah. Not, not, not the road. So, yeah. uh, well, basically, the, the main part behind the ground is just down here, yeah. the Holmesdale End, which is a double-decker. Um, probably the best stand they've got in the ground. Yeah, I like it, yeah. Eight and a half thousand. Do you get recognised when you come here? Um, yeah, but as time goes on, your face sort of uh, goes on. I had a couple of good games here. I scored a, 
a hat trick on the opening day of the season at Southampton that everyone bangs on about if they ever sort of see me. Um, and there's some, there's one or two players still here that um, were here when I were here as well. So no, it's a good club. They've got a fantastic catchment area, haven't they? Especially in South London, where a lot of good good players come through. They have, you know, if you look at. Um, you know, you look at Croydon, Streatham, Brixham. Working class areas, they yeah, produce footballers. This isn't Hampstead, it's not Muswell Hill. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's, you know, street footballers really that they have nothing else to do but play football. They've, they've also got um, the immigration centre at Croydon. Uh, and one player who's still playing today did really, really well, Victor Moses. He literally got uh, dropped off at um, the immigration centre. Uh, quite a sad story behind him. Went into foster care. And the... Um, <laughs> And I think his foster parents realised he could play football, brought him to the gates of the training ground at Crystal Palace and said, look, we've got a you know, lad here who plays football. Were you there when this was happening? Yeah, yeah, and he, he, I can remember him training and, and he had the most natural ability I think you've ever seen anyone have. And, uh, you know, terrible. I think his mum and dad were, were murdered and this, that and the other, and he was put on a, a flight to England um, by his uncle. And he's on football, saved him. What have you made of Manchester United in recent weeks? Results have picked up. We've interviewed Jose Mourinho in the next United We Stand and he, he cut quite an impressive figure. He's confident, he's determined, he's talking about staying at the club for a long time, getting the club back to where they should be. You watch games with a more critical eye. How are you seeing things? Um, I see it indifferent. I see it's very, very inconsistent. I think you get to this time of the season... And you can tell the good managers and the managers who aren't so good. The, the, the managers that aren't so good don't know the best 11. Does Mourinho know his best 11, his strongest 11? I think he's getting there, to be fair to him. I think the job is bigger than what he thought. I think he bowled in thinking, I'll turn this around, I'll buy three or four players and it'll be... You know, it just doesn't happen like that in football. I mean, if you look at maybe a contact Chelsea... Um, you can't say Guardiola, he's stumbling a bit, isn't he? Yeah, now? exactly, and I think he was another one. I think the the English media and certain people made far, far too much of uh, United City and, and Guardiola and Mourinho. Now the fourth and sixth. <laughs> exactly, you know, and it was who's going to finish first, who's going to second. So it was a massive wake-up call for both, really. But I, I remember speaking to United fans and s- surveying United fans, and everyone thought it would be United and City. like... When people had a chance to vote, like 85% of United fans in August thought the team would be first or second. Now, the vast majority don't even think they'll finish in the top four. We're just arriving at the stadium now. There's a police horse uh, going by. It's quite early on, it's a couple of hours to kick off. There's a programme seller, £3.50. No fancy in sellers, sadly. James is pointing us towards the, the main stand. Um, prediction, James, finally, for the game tonight? One. I think it'll be a close game and I don't know how many Man United fans know but Palace hate Man United with an absolute passion and yeah. there's a little bit of rivalry be- between the two you know Man United won't look at that but if you look at the Cantona incident I believe there was an incident in the semi-final of the FA Cup yeah there was um, Palace fan lost his life that yeah day. which Palace fans will, will point the finger at Man United fans there's the recent FA Cup final which Palace come within seven eight minutes of their greatest ever achievement in their history and United you know, snatch it from the death. Um, so, you know, when I when I played here, and I, I said to one or two people, I was a Manchester United fan. I got shot down pretty quickly. Really? Yeah, big time. And um, 
you know, I went to the FA Cup final and wore a Man United scarf yeah. uh, and, and come out the ground and a few Palace fans soon pointed out to me what you're doing this that and the other so I soon took it off so it's, it's a little bit of a rivalry it's not a man they're all fucking business oh. anyway prediction I'm going to go 2-2 two, 2-2 two. Two, two. Yeah. get good odds on 2-2 two, two. I'll go 1-0 to, to the 20-time tw- champions of England. Let's see how foolish we look when we resume this podcast later on. It's the start of the second half and I'm in the away end at Sellers Park. Just over 3,000 United fans making a decent racket. United leading 1-0. The goal seconds before the half-time whistle. It's very difficult to see what actually happened from here. But I'm told of complaints of a handball and of it being offside. So if that's true, uh, it's almost impossible to judge from where I'm sat. Um, well, you know, I've had a bit of luck. It'll drive everybody absolutely mad. And with Blackie, you've come down on a coach from Manchester. How long did it take you? About seven hours. About seven hours? Yeah. I mean, every time we looked at the sat it said the same time it was always going to take us everywhere we went it was an hour and a half from the ground every half an hour we travelled it was still an hour and a half from the ground when we got four miles away it was still an hour and a half from the ground it's been horrific but then we always get it here do you remember we, we've come how many times have we come and got here right on kickoff on, a, on the monkey bus but seven, seven and a half time. hours it's ne- it's never usually that long um, there's rail strikes down here so they, they haven't helped so you've just turned up basically at kickoff. Yeah, turning up for kickoff. Well, I promised, like like always, I promised to get tickets. We end up doing, um, you know, the unofficial tickets out in the, the, that is when we do the fanzine of having tickets for him or her, and then swapping them and collecting them and passing them on. So I promised him, I promised a good friend of mine that I'd get two tickets for his pal's son, um, yeah, the Australian cricket manager's son. So I picked up his two tickets, got here. I didn't want him to miss out. I told him to get in the queue and I'm on the phone to him shouting, right, where are you now? Where are you now? So put your hand up. He said, I've got my hand up. I've got a programme in my hand. So I've lent over everybody and I've handed him and he's tried to hand me some money back. I said, no, don't worry about it. Jeff's going to sort it out. Handed him these two tickets, gone out, gone in myself, got a phone call. I've only given him to the wrong lad. And the poor lad I'm supposed to have, he's, he's got so, so, outside. So you've given two tickets away for free. Yeah. And you don't know who they've gone to? No. I've, I've had a quick And then the outside. two people you were supposed to give the tickets to are outside. You. So you've arrived in the game how many minutes after kickoff? Well, well, it was about. By the time I got in, it was about five past eight. But then obviously. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Well, no, but then I had to go back out again to get right. two more tickets so, for these two that I'd left outside. So you're not I felt in, really guilty. You're for not them. in a position to give us a detailed ta- tactical. <laughs> appraisal of the first half of football the first 20 minutes no because I was too busy trying to toss two more tickets to get to these two poor souls I'd left outside which thanks to a bit of have managed to do so they're now inside so that, anyway so we've all got so it's what it's 1-0 50 minutes gone It'd be great if we could get another win here wouldn't it I think we could oh, I don't want to speak too soon but realistically we've been very unlucky not to have gone on a really good run we're good enough side we'll, I think we're good stay we're good unbeaten enough. here it'll be 9 unbeaten we should be winning games like this, but then again, we were unlucky not to beat Burnley, we were unlucky not to win a lot of games this season. Do you remember this game last year? There's a game where the descent against Louis van Gaal really grew. I think it was in October, and it was a nil-nil, if I remember rightly. 
and that was a day when a lot of people turned against Louis van Gaal and he, and he never got that back but we speak to people here and the feeling about the current manager is very positive it's very very positive I remember when David Moyes first came there, there was a there was like a, a tipping point for me for David Moyes and that was um, July the 1st 2013 oh, when he was appointed yeah because <laughs> the first thing he did was get rid of De Gea's goalkeeping coach and bring in that awful Lumsden and, and what do you call him Steve Brown and he got rid of all the old you know all the people that have been there for a while and no other no other big company would get a new you know chief just, exec just give, give us some match commentary now go on send right, your Ibrahimovic has just laid it off and Herrera on the right side of the box he's gone backwards to Carrick who's played it forward and by eight it would have been eight if that would have been a goal alright well let's carry on watching the match and we'll join you just before you do do you remember being here that night when uh, Eric was over there we were down the side there just always reminds me of that that night and United fans have been singing about Cantona tonight yeah always will do won't we Uh, I think it's a substitution now so United are bringing on people people don't want to listen to a full match commentary a day or two after the match so we'll leave it there and we'll carry on the podcast after the game but it's good so far in so much as United are leading 1-0 it'd be great if they can hold on and win this game yeah and hopefully Memphis can come on now and, and, and score a hat-trick oh no it's not it's just after 11 o'clock now and I'm back from Sellers Park I'm in central London uh, the train from Norwood Junction back north into central London was full of United fans who'd missed Ibrahimovic's winner so that they'd make the train back to Manchester, the 11 o'clock from Houston, the final one. So bittersweet on there because everyone's buzzing that United have won again. It's now nine games unbeaten, uh, two league wins on the trot, which we used to take for granted, but not anymore. United are still six, but the buzz which we've spoke about in recent podcasts continues. Uh, there were some fortuitous refereeing decisions going United's way, well about time, and at the at the other end, United were unlucky as well with some decisions, but to come away from Crystal Palace with a win is a really good result, can be a tough place to go, and if you contrast that with a year ago when United went there and drew under Louis van Gaal, and that was one of the days when the mood really started to turn against the Dutchman, and his stock would never recover, especially after the slump in a very, very dismal December. Things are looking much brighter this December. Even though United are in a a worse league position, the football is perceived to be better. There's still a long way to go. The the game at Sellers wasn't entertaining by a long stretch, but United fans were spot on. Another full away end. Fans working through a repertoire of songs about former players. And the the mood's decent. I'll tell you what, it's a big difference as well. These £30 tickets, they're good. I can remember paying £30 for a ticket at Sellers Park uh, 20 years ago, or close to that. So that's been a move in, in, in the right direction. And there were a couple of tickets outside the away end tonight, and they were, they were swapping hands for, for face value. So the next game is at West Brom, a, a good West Brom team, uh, one who's two most effective players used to play at Manchester United Johnny Evans even though he played out of position for much of last season played him at left back rather than his preferred central role and the captain Darren Fletcher so go to the Hawthorns on Sunday we'll do another 
podcasts from there. We'll put a little snippet of our interview with Jose Mourinho on that one as well, because that'll be the last podcast before Christmas and the new mag which comes out on Boxing Day. I've just finished transcribing the first part of the Jose Mourinho interview, 4,200 words, some really good stuff in there. I do hope that readers will enjoy reading it. Um, we've left his comments exactly as he said them, swear words and all. And I suppose it's for readers to make the, make the minds up. For United We Stand, that copy will be on sale outside Old Trafford on Boxing Day. It'll also be available to download digitally from just before the game on Boxing Day as well. Uh, if you don't buy the mag, we are doing a, a, a little offer for Christmas. And that if you subscribe to a printed edition, it's £29 in the UK, and you want to buy it for somebody else... Tell us who you're buying it for and we'll put a personal note in saying that this is the first of 10 issues for the Mac and we'll get them sent out before Christmas and hopefully they'll enjoy it, starting with the big um, Jose Mourinho interview. Some more positives for United, another Ibrahimovic goal, more recklessness from Marcus Rojo but we've sort of come to expect that and in spite of that I still think that the Argentinian's playing well and he's certainly enjoying his time now at Manchester United more than he ever has done. Uh, long may the unbeaten run continue. Long may the buzz around Manchester United continue. Until Sunday night, where we'll put the West Brom podcast up. Goodbye.